Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge. You grab the bull by the horns. You find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Can you hear me, Mike? Yep, I got you, Coach. How you doing? Awesome. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I appreciate you uh, giving us some time today here. I know it's game, you know, towards the end of game week, so I'm sure you got plenty going on, but appreciate it. No problem. No problem. Uh, it's great to finally talk with you. I've uh, enjoyed listening on the radio for, for a few years. You and I, your dad. I appreciate that. Thank you. It's been a, been a lot of fun, and likewise, I was uh, – I was a big fan in the last couple of years of the uh, Fresno teams that you were coaching. Watching you and Jake Hayner tear stuff up was a damn good time. Yeah, yeah, he's a stud. He's a stud. That was a lot of fun. So, no, definitely looking forward. I haven't been. Uh, this will be my first time out actually to UW. We played there my redshirt year at Notre Dame, and I didn't make the trip because I was redshirt in that season. So excited to get out to campus there and check it out. Yeah, yeah. They uh, there's a, there's a lot to see. It's a little cloudy today, but I think it's going to get a little bit nicer as the week goes on here next couple nice. of days. So yeah. you know, I'd only been here one time back in 17 when I was at Fresno. We, uh, we were, we played here. Um, they were coming off the 16 run with the uh, playoff and, and uh, it was pretty rowdy. So I'm excited to see that and be on the right sideline this year. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. No, it's, it's, it's gotta be a while, but I mean, how are you feeling coach new stop? You know, you're, you're now in your third week of the season here. How are you feeling as far as having your bearings around there in the program now? Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's been really smooth, been easy. The guys, uh, I mean, it starts with just the acceptance into the department and the community. And then uh, once you get into the football piece, like during spring ball, it just kind of all falls into place. I think a lot of it too is I got, um, so you brought six staff members plus a strength coach or two that I knew from before, you know, the strength coach at Fresno, um, you know, it's just, it's just been an easy, easy transition, you know, practices, um, they don't run themselves, but, uh, you know, like the guys, just the, the continuity and just all those little logistics that you always got to work out when you go to a new place. Um, it, it's been super smooth and the players are just 
open arms uh, from the get-go, um, you know, and just really welcomed us in. Once uh, we got into the winter workouts, it, it became really, it became something where they just, I think they, they saw our uh, kind of our vision and saw how we operated and uh, they just really, you know, enjoyed being held accountable, but also, you know, the way we show love for what they do and, uh, you know, uh, really uh, has, has led them to be in a player led team, you know, and I feel like they feel like they got to say and their actions and their decisions are going to, you know, be what carries us throughout the year. That buy-in's the word everyone uses when a new staff and a new regime comes into the program. I was a part of a coaching change when I was in school, and you've kind of gotten a reputation now as someone who comes in and sort of jump-starts a program. Everyone's seen you know, what happened to IU, Fresno, all these places you've been a part of. What's the first thing you do when you get on campus at a new job for, for you, for, for Kalen DeBoer, when it's the difference that you believe you bring to the table as far as that first line item when you're at a new campus? I think um, as a head coach, it's getting around to all the areas of the campus and the community. Um, and obviously, most importantly, the team and just listening, asking questions, kind of hearing what they have to say and knowing where those uh, gaps are in their mind and trying to fill those gaps. And um, But I think just listening to what the players had to say. I mean, I hadn't even been introduced as the head coach. And, you know, right in front of me in my office, we were sitting down, you know, with seven, eight guys. Um, that were what were told to me of the leaders in the team, you know, of the team and uh, hearing what they had to say. And I still got those notes in my phone to this day, um, you know, just uh, and I, I've even during camp, halfway through camp, I went through those notes and just reminded myself of the things that, you know, uh, we talked about. And I made my, my own notes on the things that I felt like we needed to do, not just what they said, you know. And so I think we've done a lot of those. Uh, we've hit on a lot of those points and um, the kind of thing, the confidence is growing. You know, this game will tell a lot, um, you know, but uh, the confidence is definitely growing. I, I don't want to give any state secrets away, but what were some of the important things that you and the players talked about as far as what did you guys wanted to get done? Um, I mean, it, it ranged. It ranged from just, um, um, you know, trying to improve, like, like how just the, the health and nutrition piece, mm-hmm. you know, away yeah. from mere just those areas, you know, we – uh um, just, I think we've done a great job with our nutritionist. Allie uh, is her name, Vandenberg. She's done a great job. She came with us and, um, to, to just making sure that they feel fresh when they get on the field, you know? So like that body piece was one thing. I think the other thing is, is, um, they're not afraid. Like I was impressed with the football IQ of the players in the program. And that says a lot about the recruitment that was done you know, coach Pete staff, coach Lake staff, you know, um, there's, there's just, a, and I think some of it has to do with to Washington. Um, I mean, you went to a university that's very much the same. I mean, there's more to it than just football too. You want to get a good education. There's a lot of pride in what the, the education is here that you receive when you get a degree at UW. But, um, you know, I think, um, you know, we, uh, we just really wanted to make sure guys felt fresh, but we pushed them extremely hard in the offseason I think they they understood that what you do before you step on the field on game day is what and that's again the maturity of the team was what impressed me most like they understood the hard work that had to go into it we had a lot of guys um not a lot but we had some guys on this team um that were part of the 2018 conference championship you know with COVID and such and everything there are some guys still here that remember the work that went in and how hard it was. And uh, I think we got back to that. And they uh, have always been there and supported us as a staff whenever maybe there was a couple guys here or there that maybe, you know, away from the facility would be, you know, saying, hey, why are we doing this? Why are we doing Hey, no. You know, they put them right back in their track like, hey, you know, and this is how it has to be. This is the accountability. This is the toughness we have to build in order to win games when it really matters. That accountability in the locker room certainly important. I, I've seen and heard you talk about the accountability on your staff, too. And you mentioned a lot of guys on the staff that you've been with at multiple stops. I mean, some guys that you played with at Sioux Falls that you've known and coached with since then. What's that like to look around and see guys that you were friends with in the locker room back in the day that are now the ones that you get to do this with? How big a difference does that make? Yeah, it's special, first of all, just because um, – 
I mean, you know, a guy like uh, Chuck Morrell, I mean, I've seen him and his family, you know, I mean, I've seen him, you know, him get married. I've seen, you know, that his wedding and, you know, you, you see their kids and the way they're growing up, but and that's happened with a number of different coaches along all the stops. I think the cool thing is with my specific journey is I got a chance to, to, to learn as a coordinator at a small school, become a head coach and take those philosophical things, uh, whether it be scheme related, but probably most importantly, culture building related and, um, you know, make them mine um, and then go for 15 years or not 15 years. Yeah. From, from 2010 through 2019. So 10 years um, and go learn from three other coaches, you know, um, really four, four coaches, Southern Illinois, Eastern Michigan, Fresno, and then Indiana and see great coaches, you know, do it a little bit different at every stop and be in different scenarios. One where a program you're trying to build from, I mean, just the very bottom, you know, one that has a tradition and history, like I was used to at Sioux Falls and how you get it back. Um, I mean, all these different, um, types of programs. And then um, I think those things just made me better uh, when I went back to Fresno and became a head coach again, you know, whether it be organizational things, um, you know, with your staff, um, just how you lay out a year round calendar for your team, um, you know, just all those things. And so I, I wouldn't change my journey for everything. I mean, I'm not one of the younger head coaches, you know, coming into a power five job anymore, but um, I mean, that, that those experiences have, have been awesome and they give me confidence uh, that I know we're doing things the right way um, each and every day. So you mentioned some of the coaches you got to learn under, obviously I'm sure Bob Young holds, holds a special place in your heart. What'd you learn from him? What's he mean to you still? Just, um, I mean, it started with just, uh, you know, loving your players and um, you know, he, he uh, it was still a tough love, even though, I mean, he, he taught us the football piece, but I think more than anything, how to build a winning culture. Because when I got there, went there, we were two and eight as a freshman, my freshman year, and there was no way we were going to become a championship team. But he just stayed the course and kept the faith, and that's what I use to this day. Just stay the course, keep pushing, keep grinding, and um, you know, keep believing. And uh, he, I, I saw for as a player, him take good people and surround himself with good people, good players, good coaches. And that were just like to the, to the core, like in it, you know, for the right reasons. And uh, we won because of that. We went from two and eight to eight and three to 11 and one to 14 and oh, you know? And so I was in it as a player and then us doing it again as an assistant coach and then doing it again as a head coach, those uh, 15 years I spent as a player and a coach there, you know, I, I think there was still a lot of holes as far as me learning schemes and things like that and really refining my teaching uh, from a football standpoint. But I really learned that culture can beat strategy in a lot of ways during those years. Did you have a favorite role? Because like you said, you were a record-setting receiver at Sioux Falls. You were also a record-setter in the baseball team there, assistant coach, head coach. Did you have a favorite hat that you got to wear when you were a part of Sioux Falls? I mean, teammate was uh, just being a great teammate was fun. I mean, those those guys, I mean, there's there's teammates coming out to watch our to come out, watch us play this weekend. You know, I mean, those guys are texting. I mean, it's nonstop uh, text messages and good luck uh, each and every week. So teammate being a great teammate was just what I'll always remember. And then, um, um, I mean, you know, the, the I, I did really get a chance. I loved the X's and O's and probably more than anything, the rhythm of play calling that I got a chance to do in the early years, um, just went through some, went through some, you know, times in my first five years where you make mistakes, but you learn from it. And then really taking those to being a head coach and play caller from 2005 to 2009 and um, learning how to win games. Like we learned how to win games and everyone always slates me as kind of an off as an offensive guy. That's what I am, you know, but we won because of team football. Uh, we won because we had three special teams touchdowns in three national championship games. You know, we had number one defenses in 2006, 2008, and 2009 because our offense could control the ball, you know, and even though we're throwing it around the yard, um, we're getting completions and completions keep the clock running. And that team football, ball security, you know, um, 
you know, being good in the, in the, in the big moments, red zone, third down, you know, those moments, having those little special plays and things that you do um, that are staples in your offense uh, that keep us on the field um, led to us being great defensively. And, you know, Chuck Morrell, our co-D coordinator was a big part of that. He, he ran all those defenses for 10 years when we coached together. You mentioned, and the overall team aspect of it, even play calling can be so much more art than science when you hear people describe it. But you talked about some of the things you did learn as a play caller. What are some things that you think really go into being someone who can feel comfortable and be a quality play caller based on what you learned? Yeah, I think there's a fine line of being aggressive and making sure you don't put yourself in bad spots. And you got to know, you got to know going into that game, um, you know, keeping the quarterback upright, keeping him clean, giving him confidence uh, to go make those big throws when you're going to need him the most. How you do that by starting a game, you know, getting him in a rhythm. Um, but um, I think that's that's a lot of it is just, um, you know, not not being predictable, um, you know, building it during the week. I mean, you know, yeah, you get you, especially in the early years, I used to get really maybe uptight going into a game, you know, the play, but you find out that the preparation you do on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, putting in the game plan and really honing in on like, okay, when I get in this position, I know I got to do this. And it, it, it just kind of runs itself for the most part. Um, and then it's just always being trying to be one step ahead. And that also comes through thinking it through on Friday and Saturday, you know, before the game um, on all the particular instances that, that you, you're going to be in and those experiences of calling plays for 20 years um you know there there there's no way you can replace that you know and i see that with our play callers right now i mean ryan grubb gets more and more experience as a play caller every year he's getting better you know he's just becoming top notch i mean it's at uh, chuck morrell you know and william minge is involved in the defense too but those guys you know they've done it for so many years i mean we got probably 17 years just with chuck morrell calling defenses um you know and it's uh it's those lessons that you learned you know that they still 10 15 years ago you kind of remember like okay i remember calling this here um i better be careful you know what am i going to do if yeah. it backfires on me or you know this is the risk reward you know that uh, that's involved with uh you know, the timing of this call and how do you get out of a half, you know, and run out the clock or how do you run a four minute offense? And, you know, you're trying to be, you know, uh, you got to still be aggressive, but conservative at the same time to keep the clock running, you know, because you got to win the football game, play to win, not just play not to lose. You mentioned before surrounding yourself with the right people, obviously coaches, you, you think of that coaching wise too, but what stuck out to you about Michael Penix that you saw at IU that made him a guy that you wanted over here when you got to UW? Yeah, he's, um, I mean, first of all, he's got a ridiculous arm. I mean, he's just so, he just, I mean, it, it just flies off his hand. Um, it's, it's awesome. He, he can make, there was never a throw that I watched in 19 when we were watching teams who we were going to play, you know, getting ready for a game wherever looked at him like, okay, he can't do that. You know, he can make this throw from the right hash all the way to the opposite sideline. He can throw it in holes, you know, um, in the middle of coverages, the sideline, the middle of the field. He's tall enough. He can stand in the pocket. He's versatile enough running wise to be able to get out and create throws on the run really well. Um, but I think aside from the arm strength and the talent there, um, he just really, he's like got a calm demeanor about him. You know, and I just love that. And, um, you know, seeing him still hold guys to a standard and get things corrected when he's in practice. Um, I just love that. You know, he wants it perfect, you know, and if it's not quite right, um, he's going to get on the same page, you know, and he's not afraid to accept when he makes a makes a bad throw or makes a, a bad um, decision. You know, he'll own it. And so I think all of those character traits on top of his talent. Um, you know, were very appealing and, you know, we had a lot of success there uh, in that 2019 season. Yeah, that 2019 season. I mean, how aware were you guys of like the nine Windiana and all of that? Because the IU fan base is such a like wonderful, weird, passionate Midwestern fan base. And that season felt so special to a lot of people out there. Could you guys feel that when you were in the building and going through it? I think um, especially in the second half, as we were closing in on being bowl eligible, once we got bowl eligible, I think that happened in October, um, you know, and that was early, early in the year. Yeah. Uh, we were at Nebraska, but um, 
you know, once we got to that point, it's like, wow, like this is, we got something rolling here, you know, and this is the beginning of building something. And Tom's a great coach and kept the team uh, on track. And um, our guys just kept buying in and kept feeding off of it. You know, I think we were beating teams at times and starting to build team, beat teams that were better, talent, more talented than us. And then you saw him carry that on to the next year um, after I left where, you know, now, you know, the teams that uh, regularly were winning uh, against Indiana weren't, um, you know, so that I think that culture piece uh, was a big piece, big part of it. You know, um, I saw it coming in when I went and kind of what interviewed or was looking around the campus. I just felt like, um, you know, there's enough there's enough talent to win games here. You know, I've seen it and um, you just had to pull it all together. It was. It was it was a lot of fun to watch from the outside. That is definitely a special place. As someone who was residing in Indiana a few hours north of there, it was always uh, always fun to keep and check in on what was going on with the Hoosiers. But, uh, Coach, I'm sure I'm not the first person to point this out to you. Got your start coaching at Washington High School in South Dakota. You're now at UW here. So I'm interested if you could take one thing back and go back to either Sioux Falls or Millbank, South Dakota, and Take one thing from there that you would love to bring to Seattle that you miss and one thing that you've loved about Seattle that you could take back to South Dakota. Do you have one on either side that comes to mind for you, something that you miss from home? I mean, um, that's a really good question. Uh, I mean, you know, it's it's always the, the the people, right? I mean, that's the it's the people of both places. Um I was trying to think of an eating place that uh, that you know or something. I was just gonna say I feel I feel like Millbank, South Dakota, has got to have a good spot where I can go get like a hearty breakfast or something. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, there's there's a couple. Um, I remember a good cinnamon roll or at Trevitt's oh. Cafe. So <laughs> you know, there we go. Like now that. you're speaking my language, coach. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you know, there's uh, in in the Midwest, there's the pizza ranches. I'm sure they might be touching that. I don't know that. We don't have those outside of here, so I get I love to get Pizza Ranch or uh, Taco John's. I don't know if you've ever heard of Taco John's. Oh yeah, but, but uh, yeah, I love my food. So you know, and then from the, the things out west here, you know, that you take that way would be you know, like an In and Out Burger. We don't have those in Washington though, so we got to work on that. But uh, you know, California. Oh, you got you got used to that at Fresno when you were down there. Yeah, huh? yeah, we live about about two two minutes from one, so. What was but the go-to I'm, order for you, Coach? And you know, and this totally is unrelated to what, but it's related <laughs> because we're on food right now. You know, like a Lou Malnati's or something oh. needs to be. I mean, now they got them in Arizona, so like we're we're on the right track. But oh. take a Lou Malnati's out and then take an In-N-Out burger to Chicago. I mean, now it's like okay, that's the that's the kind of cultural exchange we need to go on here because <laughs> who couldn't appreciate a good Lou Malnati's right. pizza? Yeah, yeah. I spent a lot of time, right, you know, because in Southern Illinois, I recruited Chicago. And, I mean, I know it's Chicago isn't right where where you went to school, but, um, but uh, you know, Eastern Michigan and Indiana. I mean, I, I know you know that area really well. Where do you live now? So I live out in Manhattan Beach in California now. You do? I just got out there. I was in Connecticut okay. at ESPN for a whole bunch of years. So now I'm living the more day-to-day in and out burger life and and oh. the the food the food available to me out here versus what was available to me in Connecticut definitely a little bit different. It's been yeah. a nice change of pace yeah. for sure. I love it. But I, I would it. I would kill to bring like a coach where are you at on Portillos? Oh gosh. Then they got I mean, one of those in Phoenix now too. So I know oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My daughter know. plays softball. And so when I was in Fresno, we went to Arizona, Phoenix, and some of the friends I'd bring with that only lived in California and never anywhere else. We'd go there and I saw them there, got a couple of Portillos in there. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all about it. The chocolate <laughs> shake and the, yeah, big You beef. put a slice of chocolate yeah. cake at the bottom of a milkshake. My head. <laughs> What's better than that? I love it. Wait, now, Coach, you said your daughter plays softball. How are you as a sports parent after being a coach and being a player for so long? How do you do as a parent? Yeah, I, I think uh, actually I'd like to think I'd do pretty well. You know, um, that balance. Uh, um, I, I, mean, I got a junior. She's, she's a junior in high school. And softball is her main sport, which is volleyball, too. And um, it's just been kind of a father-daughter thing throughout the years. Uh, you know, I think. One of my getaways from uh, just the grind of football is, uh, you know, going to a batting cage, just throwing some soft toss in there, you know, or just putting the ball on a tee, you know, and that's been, 
kind of our daddy daughter, daughter time, you know, I love that. So, and uh, it's been cool. We, we've always connected there. So yeah. I played baseball in college for a couple of years there. It was a small college, but played baseball. So ironically, the baseball coach um, is coming out to the game this weekend that I, that I coached with. I coached my first two years. I had to coach baseball at Sioux Falls my first two years too. So got to, got to do it all. They're at a small college. Yeah, no, a little bit, a little bit of everything there, but I'm sure it's nice every once in a while to get in the cage if your daughter, you know, giving you grief or something like that and show her you still got a little bit of that. You still get in oh, there and swing the stick a little bit. That happened about a month ago. <laughs> How'd it go? Right. It went good. It went good. <laughs> there we go. Still got it, coach. Still got yeah. it. Well, coach, we appreciate the time. I know this is an exciting game week and it be a great atmosphere for you guys at Husky Stadium. So thanks so much. Best of luck and looking forward to seeing you around this weekend. You bet. You bet. Thanks a lot, Mike. All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister U.S., White Plains, New York. My brother. Coach, how's it going? Shoot, I can't complain. How you doing? I'm doing well. I appreciate you taking some time. I know it's a travel week for you towards the end here, and you're busy, so I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, hey, no problem, man. You uh, were you born in Cleveland? I wasn't. No, so I uh, we were born when Dad was playing for the Eagles. We've been back oh, a bunch. Man. My dad's mom still lives out in Willowick, so they're okay. uh, they still got roots out there. My uncle Bob and all them live out that way too. So yeah. we get back every now and then. Yeah, sweet. Definitely. So now it's uh it's good. Dad never never uh misses a chance to remind me how much better the high school football was out there than where I grew up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember watching I remember watching your dad many many years, man. Yeah, no, he said uh had a had a good run, definitely for sure. But coach How's he uh, doing? He's doing well. He's doing well. He's calling uh NFL games for radio this fall. So he's He's sticking around a lot with that, and he's he's busy now. He's a grand, first-time grandfather. My younger brother just had his first son, so he's got a lot of that on his plate now. Yeah, well, that's good. That's good, man. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Coach, how are you doing? Busy week, big-time, Power 5, non-conference game on the road. What's the uh, what's the feeling right now? Well, you know, we, uh, we've had, a, we've had a, a really good week of practice, and – you know, for us, it's all about the preparation. It's all about the preparation. And um, from, with the coaching staff and the support staff and with the strength and conditioning and nutrition and sports science and then the, the players, I mean, it's all about, you know, just preparing every single day, working to get better every single day. We, we, we talk about stacking days, you know, stack of Monday and then a Tuesday and then doing the required work and then following that up with the unrequired work, the extra, you know, and that's coaches and players. And so uh, we've been stacking days um, and, uh, and and obviously doing the required work, but also the, the unrequired. And so, you know, within our process and, you know, not looking ahead, but just you know, aggregation of marginal gains is getting better every day. And that's pretty much, you know, all that we can do. And that focus, it, it's become so all-encompassing. That's probably the biggest change I've seen between college football that I played now is 
all of that extra work that you're talking about has come so much more into focus. I saw you even talked about sleep banking heading into this week because yeah. you guys are going to play in a different time zone there. How do you get a group of like 100 plus college students to go out and commit to going to bed earlier and on time? Well, it's, I, I believe it's really uh, about peer accountability, you know, and, and culture. And, uh, you know, we talk about the illusion of choice. You know, if you want to be great, if you want to do things, if you want to do something significant, then there's there's a uh, very few choices in terms of, uh, you know, what you can do to, to, to accomplish those goals and reach those standards. And, uh, and a lot of times it's what you don't do, you know, and uh, and uh, in terms of sacrificing or investing you know, in your future. And so um, that's what it's all about. I mean, it's really the, 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 the individual choices and decisions, you know, that we make um, that lead to the actions and behaviors that lead to the outcomes. And so um, we have, you know, we, we explain to our, to our, our players why we're asking them to do certain things, you know, the science behind it. You know, and um, and then uh, and then uh, encourage them to buy in, and uh, and then ask our our leaders to uh, not just lead by example, which is not really leading, but um, but also uh, confront and demand from their teammates. Is that one of the biggest differences from the first time around when you were at Michigan State mm-hmm. as a GA to being back here now? Is having to spend so much more time with the why with athletes now, where before it might've been more, Hey, this is what we're doing. And you go along with it versus the kind of athlete of today. We always hear about. Yeah, absolutely. You, you, uh, you have to, you have to, uh, lead with the why (laughs) you you can't, you don't, it's not like let's wait and let's wait and, and for them to ask why. You know, here's what we want you to do and why. And this is how it helps you. Yeah. <laughs> this is what this means for you. This is how it helps you be better, you know, immediately, like right now in real time. Is that easier to sell after all the success you guys had last season to be able to point to 11 and two and all the wins and those critical moments and say, this is what it produces? Yeah, that, that's a, that's a, that is a great question. Because I was asked uh, a similar question, like towards you know the, the you know towards the end of last season, and we were able to get to where we were because the players were already bought in, coming off of a two and five season. Because you can't you can't get you, we can't we couldn't do what we did if the if the players didn't already believe in what we were doing, and so I. I believe what what happens is that when you have a process, it's sound, it's proven, and it makes sense. It resonates with the players because it just it just makes too much sense. You know, they can they can try to shoot holes in it. They can, but it just makes too much sense. It, it's just like you know when you hear the truth, yep. it's like you know what it is. And so when they when they hear the plan and it's, it's laid out and it's and every and everything we do in our program is with a process and a plan and we don't waste their time and all it's efficient, then then they I think they they buy in, you know they buy in just because um, you know it's an innate understanding of feeling that hey this this is this makes sense we need to do this and we have a a, a great a great group of coaches here with a lot of experience that have won games. We have a lot of NFL experience on our staff, whether coached in the NFL or played in the NFL, you know, things like that. So I think that helps with the credibility just walking in the door with these with these young guys. Yeah, I mean, if, if and players all do this, I remember doing this when we get new coaches and you go back and look and see where they've been and what they've done. And if I'm a player looking at your resume, I'm saying, yeah, I'm going to believe what this guy has to say. This is an incredible resume college and pro wise, but coach, 
You've been able to do that as the game has kind of changed, especially off the field, the way the transfer portal works now, which you guys have done so well with the NIL world. How have you been able to get together a plan to that with something that's still kind of changing and evolving and be able to present that to your players? I think there's a couple of things that have helped me. Well, or I have two boys myself, uh, uh, Christian's 18 and Joe's 20. And, uh, and so relatability is, uh, I think, I think that that has, that has a part to play in it. Um, <clears throat> you know, also my NFL experience has helped quite a bit because uh, the NFL is always changing. There's always guys coming and going, you know, like that's the ultimate portal, <laughs> you, yeah. you know, as, as you know, I mean, like you, there's a, it could be a guy bagging groceries and then, you know, that next, that following Wednesday, you're getting them ready to go out there and play in a game for you and start, you know, yeah. and, uh, and then he's gone, then he's gone after the game and then someone else is in there, you know, so um, that's, uh, and then, you know, so free agency and the draft high school players versus portal guys. I mean, there's a lot of correlation there. Um, and so uh, with 10 years of coaching in the National Football League with three different organizations and seeing uh, things done different ways from a personnel standpoint and player acquisition, you know, you have to be able to adapt and, and adjust and see around the corner and try to, and try to find, um, you know, try to find an advantage, you know, in the margins, which are extremely slim. Coach, you mentioned having having the two sons. I'm curious because you've kind of gotten the reputation, especially in the last couple off seasons, for being the cool coach. You got the pictures with the cigars. You got the picture with the roadsters out there and all that stuff that that does really well in recruiting. Are you the cool dad because of that one? Are they buying that? <laughs> you know what? I don't know. A lot of times, <laughs> a lot of times. Uh, my boys, they see me and they, they're just shaking their head. You know, I'm not sure if they're, I'm not sure if they're, uh, if they think I'm cool or if they're embarrassed or they're like, what are you doing? I'm not sure what that is, but, um, uh, it's, uh, I'm not, you, uh, it'd be interesting if you asked them if they thought that I was cool or not, but, um, I, I, you know, I try to keep my ear to the ground and, um, and, uh, I mean, I'm only 50 years old, so I mean, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm still, I'm still, I think I'm still kind of young at heart and kind of in the groove there. I mean, Coach, you've got your own NFT out there. You've got NF Tuck right now. So if that doesn't mean you're still in the groove, then I don't know what, have you, have you gotten over that, the fact that you're that knee deep in it now where you've got your own NFTs out here? I, I believe that's, I think that's, that's just part of, uh, what's being done now and I, and uh it was a it's a great it was a great way to raise money you know uh for a good cause for a charity nonprofit um and it's a excellent way to display it to your current players and uh recruits that you know that you know we understand branding and we understand you know the the cutting edge and of things and, and not being afraid to, you know, maybe try something new, um, you know, and uh, so I think it's, I, th I just think it's just a natural uh, progression, uh, you know, for a, uh, for a football program in this day and age, you know, to, to be able to, uh, to do, to do things like that um, in a, in a very sound and solid way with process and, you know, due diligence and everything that we're teaching our players, you know, in this new NIL space, you know, do your homework, you know, um, you know, get, get, get with the right people, you know, uh, you know, measure twice, cut once type deal, you know, just yep. kind of practicing what you preach, so to speak. And, and you mentioned there, and it is worth uh, reminding people, those NFT sales go to support the Boys and Girls Club of Southeastern Michigan. It's awesome. It's great to see that investing in the community in that way, in that process. There's no doubt about it, Coach. But uh, you, you bring up process, and I feel like 
every time you talk to someone that's been a part of the Nick Saban world of coaching, you get back to the process, you get back to all that. For you, who knows Coach Saban probably about as well as anybody with your guys' various stops together, that 2015 coaching picture seems like it's starting to get like Bigfoot-level folklore around college football. Uh, what what do you think about every time you see that picture thrown up on college game day or anything else of the group that you guys had there at Alabama together in 2015? I just think back to we're, we're trying to recruit hard. We're trying, we're trying to get our guys lined up, trying to get them prepared to win games. It was, you know, we're just in there grinding, trying to try to uh, coach our positions and, you know, and uh, get our guys to get our guys to play good, man. So, so we can win some games. I mean, that's what I think about when I see that. I mean, it's, it was, a, it was a, it was a great uh, group of guys to, to work with. Um, and we had some really good players. That's a really. We had a lot of really. We had a lot of really good players. A lot of really good coaches that would work really hard. That are, you know, type A, uh, all you know, grinders, uh, super motivated, highly driven, uh, all, you know, ultra competitive guys. You know, so we had uh, you know, spirited practices. You know, um, and it was just. Uh, I, I think it just make it just makes for. Uh, it, it helps you get better. It, it, help, it helps you get better. And uh, when you're able to, uh, with that staff, when you're able to win a national championship, you know, um, I think good things happen, you know, when, uh, when you're a part of a, a staff that, that achieves at such a high level with really good players. And those all sound like overwhelming positives, the great stuff about that. I'm sure there's some very tough days built in that. What's the toughest part about being on maybe not just even that staff, but just a Nick Saban staff in general in that environment you described? Um, you know, for me, uh, you know, I've known Coach Saban since, since I was in high school. You know, he recruited me when he was the head coach at Toledo. So mm -hmm. uh, I think the toughest part with Coach Saban is, is, is trying to keep up with him. You know that that's really the, that's really the, the the most challenging part on a on a day to day basis, and throughout the day, he he has a uh, his pace that he sustains is uh, I mean it is a breakneck pace in terms of intensity, attention to detail, you know, sense of urgency, you know, professionalism, you know, all the things that they go, you know, teaching, coaching, uh, you know, all that. Um, you know, to keep pace with him, you know, uh, you got to bring, you got to bring it every day. And, and, uh, and it's not like that everywhere, you know? And so, uh, I think that's the most challenging thing because he does, uh, you know, he, he's never going to let anyone outwork him. Uh, he'd never ask anyone to do something that he's not willing to do or actually doing himself. So, uh, the standards, the standard is extremely high. And he holds everyone uh, to the same standard that he holds himself to. Is it amazing, as amazing in person as it was on video, to watch the way he melts when Miss Terry comes around? Because <laughs> I saw the video of him after the Auburn game, and he's in this sour mood, and she shows up, and the smile hits his face here. Was she like a, a welcome sigh of relief when she would walk in, and you know Coach was going to kind of pick it up a little bit? <laughs> no, Miss Terry, she's, uh, well, she's, she's special. She's special. She's done so much for all. Of, she's done so much for me, uh, you know, because I was just a when I got into coaching here at Michigan State, nineteen ninety seven. I didn't know anything, you know. I mean, I, I played. I played you know, Wisconsin, and I had good good high school coaches. And I, you know, I learned a lot from Coach Alvarez. But in terms of actually coaching, I didn't know anything. And uh, and so uh, Coach Saban and Miss Terry really took me in and helped show me the ropes not just the coaching part of it, but, you know, the recruiting part of it. And then, you know, how to be a coach and how to be a professional and, you know, uh, you know, all those things that she was, and she was always uh, there to, uh, to be supportive, but also to teach, you know, she's, she's very similar to coach. Uh, going to show you the ropes, you know, show you how things should be done. You know, and then uh, and she also um, she also has very high expectations and high standards, 
you know, for anyone who is, uh, is part of their program. And it's incredible. And it, it seems to echo everything we, we've ever heard about her privately or publicly. Uh, Coach, that standard now for you at Michigan State, what's the next step look like for you in this program here as you guys take out and head out onto, you know, this season that's still getting started and a team you're still getting to know this year? Yeah, well, we, you know, we've already stated, we've stated our goals. Our, our goal is to win every game on our schedule. Um, and that's always going to be our goal. Um, and, uh, but, you know, and, and, but the, the standard of performance is, is, uh, is really, you know, to, to be the, to do our best in everything that we're doing, you know, excellence in every area, not just one thing or two things, but all across the board and, to, to, to strive to do that in a relentless manner every single day in everything that we're doing. And in order to do that, you have to have a tremendous amount of discipline, uh, you know, connection, authenticity, teamwork, drive, determination, you know, mental and physical toughness, all those things. And it's all in pursuit of reaching our full potential as coaches, players, and as a, as a program every day, you know, every season. And so, uh, what is the next, what is the next, the next step for us is, is Washington. You know, that's, that's, you know, I talked to those guys again this morning, you know, we have one game, <laughs> one game and it's, it's uh it's no sweat Thursday that we got a fast Friday so we got one game okay we're preparing for one game and it's Thursday required work unrequired work today and we need to stack this day that's our next step and then and then you know, for the rest of today and then fast Friday you know and then how do we travel and how do we the haze never in a bar and how do we continue to prepare I mean that's it's always the next right step to take is always, you know, uh, you know, keep chopping, keep chopping. That's, that's our mindset. And then when we do that, we, we always, you know, be where our feet are. Um, then we can add it up in the end. You know, we can add up in the end and just see where that, where that takes us, knowing what our goals are, but we're not going to, we're not going to get ahead of ourselves and try to, uh, project or get into the hypotheticals or things like that, because that doesn't help us in the here and now prepare. It's not, it's, we know what we want to do. So how do we get there? What do we have? What do we have to do on a day-to-day basis to get what we want? And so that's, that's our, where our focus is. Now I, I believe that that's, that's a, that takes, um, that's part of a process. Um, that takes intentional focus and focus is a skill. I think it's a skill uh, to, to, to be able to uh, focus on where our feet are at the moment and, and just like playing a, a game, you know, uh, 60, 60 minutes, you know, four quarters in a game, you know, six seconds of play, you know, that's, that's what we need to do. That's, that's, our, that's our next step, consistency and performance. Uh, Coach, that process has treated you pretty well so far and uh, made for an incredible season last year. So best of luck with stacking those days going into this weekend. Looking forward to being out there uh, on the call and seeing you guys in person. Thanks so much for the time. Yeah, thank you so much for your time. Take care and we'll see you down the road. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Coach. Thank you. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans will feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. 
in New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Awesome Football Friday. Thank you to all our guests again. If you enjoyed that, let us know. If you didn't, tell us what you think we can do better. Always into feedback at this point, but wanted to try and get some more you know, coaches, people around and in the game in front of you guys. Thought that'd be a cool bit of insight into some of the programs that I get to see on the weekends now. And again, you can check out College Football Saturday Nights with me and Sloan Martin all over the radio, on the Varsity app that you can download. You can stream us there. It's a great time. I'll tweet the YouTube link where you can see us goofing off and eating donuts in the booth, too. It's a ton of fun. That Washington-Michigan State team will be a blast, and I appreciate both their coaches and Dominique Foxworth giving us some of their time on a Friday. Uh, It's Friday, which also means it's time for picks. We've been doing the thick six, and we know it hasn't gone well, necessarily, so... On the season, it's been pretty rough. I think at this point right now, my record is 2-9-1. and one. So if you're looking to fade at this point, I wouldn't blame you. Wouldn't blame you one bit. But we're going to do it anyway. The thick six picks, three college, three NFL, in honor of our big brethren scoring touchdown, the beauty of the thick six. For this weekend, we're going to try and get off the schneid a little bit, tinkered some with the process here, looked for some different areas we can try and do this. Namely, I'm not betting Notre Dame games anymore. I'm off the narcotic right now. Good luck to Notre Dame against Cal. Green jerseys, names on the back. Hope that Drew Pine can go out there and lead the Irish to victory in his first start. I just, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do a little reverse psychology. I'm going to stay away from that. And like I said, maybe no eyes on them will be a good thing. We will go Miami plus six on the road at Texas A&M. Even with Texas A&M jilted by the loss, I still don't know if Haynes King's got it. I still don't know if there's much explosive in that offense. And I think Miami at least has Tyler Van Dyke that I can hang my hat on. Florida State minus 2.5 at Louisville. I don't trust that Cardinals team. I really, really like their quarterback. Um, But Florida State had a bunch of time after that LSU game on Sunday night. I know Mike Norvell had to get after them and practice a little bit. There were a couple early on in that break where they weren't up to snuff, weren't up to par, but we haven't seen them in that time. I think that team has turned the corner. I think Travis Jordan, I saw Roddy Jones, who's a friend of the show from the ACC Network, say he could be a top five quarterback in that league. And I think I agree based on where we're at right now. Malik Cunningham on the other side is an incredible weapon. But that was a team that struggled to go and take their place and beat UCF, albeit on the road in the bounce house. I understand that's a tough environment and they'll be at home. But I just think the confidence that team is playing with this year versus Louisville, who right now is a little too hot and cold for me. I'll go FSU and I'll give the points. And then South Carolina plus 25. This one is... In South Carolina, and I just feel like this is the game where weird shit can happen. South Carolina is a team that started a receiver at quarterback in the bowl game and didn't tell anyone. They're going against what looks like the unquestioned best team in football in Georgia right now after the Alabama setback versus Texas last weekend. That's just a lot of points. I think Shane Beamer and those guys can be up to some weird stuff. Um, Yeah. No much more to say than that. Big number. We'll try for that. The NFL side, we're going to also go... Titans and Bills under 48. Colts minus three in the first half line. So the Colts getting out to a hot start this weekend. Again, uh, hot start this weekend. And then this last one is a total gut pick. Lions minus one versus Washington. I told myself and I talked with uh, Kevin Clark from the Ringer the other day, appeared on his podcast and said one of my biggest regrets was trying to wean myself off the hard knocks Kool-Aid. That Lions team fought their asses off, got back in a game against the Philadelphia Eagles team that is going to win the NFC East. I think going up against this Washington team that's more of a roller coaster versus the Lions' steady heartbeat, Will's out, total gut play here, totally me drinking the hard knocks Kool-Aid, loving Dan Campbell, Lions minus one. Let's try and get back in business this weekend. So... I am going to try and help everyone make money there. If I can't help you make money there, I will at least help you save money with our friends at Knockaround Sunglasses. Knockaround, polarized sunglasses, $30 a pair. They are one of our best friends around this podcast. They keep us looking great. They make sure it doesn't cost a lot. Support the people that support us. 
You can get a ton of variety, 15 different frames, a ton of different colors, something for everybody here. You have over a billion possible combinations in the knockaround shop. I was just running in them today. Someone asked me about the no slide uh, nose script, and I was able to confident. I can, with so much confidence, endorse how enjoyable these sunglasses have been, how many compliments I've gotten on them, and how useful they are and versatile they are. They're lightweight, great clarity. Knockaround sunglasses are high-quality, polarized sunglasses at a truly affordable price. Make sure you check out their huge range of shades at knockaround.com and use promo code GOJO. Get you 20% off at checkout. Again, that's promo code GOJO for 20% off at checkout. All right. Now, with Brandon Newman not being here yet again, the responsibilities fall on me to ask the question, Brandon, do you know what time it is? Oh, well imagine as I'm pacing the pews in a church corridor and I can't help but to hear, no, I can't help but to hear an exchanging of words. What a beautiful wedding, what a beautiful wedding, says the bridesmaid to Owen, yes, but what a shame, what a shame, the poor broom's cry is a... I chimed in with a haven't you people ever heard of, this, that, and the third, no, it's much better to face these kind of takes with a sense of poison rationality, I chimed in, haven't you people ever heard of, this, that, and the third. No, it's much better to face these kinds of things with a sense of... That uh, was a direct request. Just to let you know that we absolutely read the iTunes reviews here. This one comes from Ambrow who says, I would like to start with a this, that, and the third suggestion request. And I apologize if you've done it and I missed it. We haven't and you didn't. But hearing I write sins, not tragedies, would be an epic intro. Brandon would crush it. Now she said, onto the show, the quips, the quotes, the banner, the guests, top-notch, relatable as someone close in age. I know you thought that for Brandon. I know that was written for Brandon, but I tried my best to honor it. Again, if you like it and if you've got suggestions, we are listening. Download, subscribe, rate, review, Gojo. Leave us a five-star rating. Leave us a review. And we'll make sure to do our best to go and service the listener. Uh, let's get to this in this, that, and the third uh, to finish off with some quick stories in the end of a long football Friday where we appreciate you sticking with us. This is Kyrie Irving. Uh, on Thursday, Kyrie Irving shared a post uh, that was from 2002. It was a clip from Alex Jones, who is the former InfoWars host and conspiracy theorist and massive jackass. Um, espousing weird notions about a new world order and insinuating, and the post was insinuating, as the caption read, Alex Jones tried to warn us, insinuating that this is all somehow linked to the global pandemic that we have all been living through. Now, Kyrie Irving has always been someone that's dabbled in conspiracy theory, and before it was stuff that felt comparatively harmless, like the flat earth stuff. Things got a lot more serious as Kyrie Irving's beliefs on the vaccine started to become the public uh, topic of conversation. And now you've got this, and this hits on a couple of friends. Number one, it's sad to see uh, this is where Kyrie Irving has gone and turned to for a guy that so long has seemed to consider himself the smartest one in the room. This crosses a massive line not only in continuing to spread disinformation and misinformation in a way that's been increasingly more problematic and felt increasingly more dire in the last few years and the effect that that's had to spread that information from a source and Alex Jones who just had to pay out massive amounts of money to the families of the victims of the Sandy Hook shooting because Alex Jones was spending his time harassing those families and calling the Sandy Hook shooting a hoax. That's the person that Kyrie Irving has aligned himself with. This is the message that Kyrie Irving's aligned himself with. And so before, when people used to discount things that Kyrie Irving said because of the flat earth stuff, you could kind of reason your way out of it one way or another. Now that's impossible. Now everything Kyrie Irving says, every point Kyrie Irving thinks he's trying to make will be filtered through the lens of 
this is what you believe and this is who you've aligned yourself with in a way that's impossible to avoid now. Kyrie Irving is still, in theory, going to play basketball this upcoming season unless he's missing for one reason or another, which has become more and more the case in recent years. But Kyrie Irving won't be someone that I'm quick to celebrate, and I'd imagine plenty of others won't be quick to celebrate anymore because if this is who he wants to show himself to be, and by posting it on his social media and displaying it for the massive following that he has, he's made that choice. He has made that choice to now, in linking himself with these people, himself become an unreliable source for information and someone that we cannot trust. And that's the reality of where Kyrie Irving is and what he has done to himself based on this as a continued path that he's walked down. All right, let's get to that. Uh, That is more news in the world of tennis this week. As so much of the focus is on Serena Williams and will she or won't she after her appearance on Good Morning America, Roger Federer just swoops in and decides to retire on social media. The all-time great Roger Federer who at the age of 41 years old announced his retirement on social media and God love him. He did it with one of those things. It was a slate picture of him with just his voice in the background. It wasn't even a video, which seemed like a very dad thing to do, but, uh, Federer ends a career with 20 Grand Slams, third all-time behind Nadal and Joker. He was part of what was called the Golden Age of Tennis with those three atop the sport. He finished five seasons ranked number one and was the poster for this sport in particular, the classy pro, because we know Joker's a really unlikable guy. We know Nadal for so long was kind of pigeonholed as just the clay guy. And then you had Federer, who was... Someone who very much fit the country club nature of this sport, but seemed to win and conduct himself in a way that was pretty defensible for everyone. And for a long time, seemed like he would be the unquestioned greatest of all time. And then he, as the rising tide, lifted the rest of those ships that we talked about to an era of tennis on the men's side that will be hard to replicate if it's ever even possible. And uh, Roger Federer said he would continue playing tennis, just not in Grand Slams and not on the professional tour. He had had that series of knee surgeries and injuries and just at 41, we talk about father time all the time, but I think the real the injuries really caught up there. And so kudos to Roger Federer for kind of doing this. I think he's going to play in one more tournament. He says the Laver Cup will be his final t- final tennis event. The Laver Laver Cup will be his final tennis event. And when injury is this closely tied in, that probably seems like something that's going to be a definite. He seems like a guy that whenever this comes up, this was going to be it. So congratulations. I know somewhere Adnan Verk weeps right now. Team Fed and the guys that for so many years I would see waking up at all hours to watch his matches finally get to see their hero ride off into the sunset and get some well-deserved rest after this uh all right let's get to the third the third is the nfl going ahead and stepping in it again trying to do i'm I'm sure what they believe is a nice thing honoring diversity the nfl released a special edition logo on thursday to coincide with the start of latin latino america latino heritage month in addition to having a post that talked about amplifying voices in the Latino community, listed a number of members of the NFL and folks inside the Shield, uh, a part of that community. They also decided to do this. They had the caption, Por la Cultura, which means for the culture, and decided to adjust their logo with the Spanish tilde over the N. So in the Spanish alphabet, there's both a regular N and an Ñ. It's the tilde, the little mark that looks almost like a raised eyebrow over the N. Um, Along with the caption, this shield integrates an unmistakable Latin flavor and is fundamental to our always-on 365-day initiative. The electric brushstroke of the Enya is filled with that infectious personality that is carried out through the rest of the look and feel, which is essentially Taco Bell colors. So they understandably got roasted for this attempt here. As many people pointed out, if you were going to say NFL in Spanish, it would be NAFL. It would in no way, shape, or form include the Enya. It is not even how it would be said in Spanish. And it is so easily a ripoff 
of what we saw in an episode of The Office where they tried to have Mexican lemonade by putting the tilde over the N in lemonade. All of it just once again reeks of it. I don't know who makes these decisions for the NFL, how many people of you know latin descent that they of you know latino people that they are empowering to help them make decisions i would hope at this point based on how the nfl has stubbed its toe in so many ways publicly with the other things like end racism in the end zone these hollow tributes to trying to institute some sort of effect on the you know things they want to change culturally but uh you gotta one have some people in the room that are going to tell you no this isn't really sending the message that you want at least by and large from the reaction I've seen. And I know no group of people is a monolith. And so if there were people that enjoyed this, I am all ears as to how this was received by a group of people that I do not represent. But just gauging the reaction at large, it seemed to be met with a bunch of opposition. That again, I always say when it comes to these things, you one, hire people of color, hire, hire people of various backgrounds. Have them in the room, especially when you are going to make decisions when you are addressing that group of people and thinking you're doing a nice thing. Because thinking you're doing a nice thing and actually doing a nice thing are two different things. Intent only goes so far. Execution matters with these things. And again, that usually requires some input. And so maybe there was, maybe there wasn't. I, I, I don't know that. And so I don't want to go too far in stating that. But just a general principle. That's a good idea. And then this also goes back to my theory of... And I will shout this from the mountaintops from now until forever. The one disinterested millennial that everyone needs on staff. And I understand now it might need to be a Gen Z kid because millennials are my age and we're with the kind of the meat of the workforce at this point. A disinterested youth at the end of this process that has been not paying attention, has been on their phone sitting at the end of the table, that will just let you know if the internet is going to roast you into oblivion or not. Because that's what happens, and that's what big corporations tend to miss on so much in an effort to think they're doing the right thing, is giving everyone extremely memeable content. And so again, this is free game. You don't even got to pay me for the IP on this one. Hire a disinterested person. Put them at the end of the room. Let them be on their phone browsing TikTok the entire day. And then present them with this idea that they've did no problem or no hand in, no part in this group project, and just let them take it in as the voice of the internet and tell you if you're going to get roasted or not. Simple advice that more people probably need to follow. Simple advice is always to stick around until the end of this podcast. And for those of you that listen, we greatly appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed uh, all of the stuff we tried out on this episode today. Download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. Hopefully, we get off the schneid with the thick six this weekend and can get back into some winning ways here. It's a long season. We will try and trust the process. Thanks so much. Everybody enjoy your football. Have a safe weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.